I'm moving and determining a, a moving company. I went, I see some reviews. They're kind of all over the place. Some of my believe, some of my don't. What is your inclination when you look at a review for a restaurant or some service? Do you want to believe that the company is good or the place is good? And you're trying to, you know, convince yourself of that? Or are you like a pessimist that's like, just like, if you see anything, you get scared away from it. Because I find myself like wanting to explain away the bad reviews. Or I see a restaurant and I'm like, oh, well, that's, yeah, that's probably not fair. How do you sort of handle online reviews? If I, if I Googled it or something, it comes up in maps. If I click on it, I want to go to that place. And then if the reviews are bad, I believe the reviews. So how quickly can on. you talk? Does that talk you out of it? How much? How much if does it take? If it's below four stars, I don't. I don't mess with it. I don't think it's worth it. I, like wow. even if the people, because then you can kind of get into that whole. You said it earlier. It's like oh, only the people that are upset leave reviews. But it's like, well, you got a lot of upset people. Like people that are just content or happy, like probably don't even leave reviews unless they're awesome. So I would just. I don't know. I mean, I just below four. I was fine in the restaurant. There's plenty of them out there. I yeah, like that works for a restaurant, a moving company though. To Ariel's earlier point. Yeah, I mean, I would do. They're all going to have crappy reviews. I, have you in your in your search for a moving company though? Are all of them like forced like below four stars? Well, I mean, it, then it gets tricky because a lot of them are movers. But I'm not looking for a mover. I'm looking for a store. Yeah, I'm I'm similar to Bobby in that if it's four stars or below, I just uh, no, I'm out. See, I don't really pay attention to reviews, definitely not for restaurants. Maybe if it was a service, like a moving company, but I would prefer when it comes to restaurants or something like that. I just like don't feel like what I enjoy is what the average person enjoys maybe, or like I'm willing to uh, deal with like an environment that is maybe not as... Uh, traditionally appealing. You're a hippie. I don't know. Yeah, you're a hippie. I, well, I don't know that I'd say that, but I just, I think that I would prefer- A bohemian. To, <laughs> I don't want to, no labels, Michael. Okay. Uh, I would just prefer <laughs> to go and like have an experience and then form my own opinions about it. Because I feel like I don't, I'm not looking on Yelp for like a Mexican restaurant. I'll ask a friend where, you know, do you have any recommendations? So I'd prefer take somebody else's recommendation than search something mm. and then look at the reviews. Now I might look at the reviews afterwards to validate my own feelings about a place, but I generally avoid them to begin with. So like if you go to a place, like let's say you go to a restaurant and you have a negative experience, what's your reaction after? Because when that happens to me, it's like, it's like a waste of the experience. Like I mm -hmm. could have had a nice evening out and instead I've gone mm -hmm. to this terrible restaurant, spent my money, and I wish I wouldn't have done this. What's a negative experience though? Yeah. It's a great question. Um, I mean, for me, I think it would just be like bad food, bad service. Like it, if we're talking restaurants, like just the standard stuff, I'm not super crazy about you know, I don't need the highest level of service. Like I like fast food places and all that, but you're not checking like Taco Bell's ratings before you <laughs> head over there. No. Yeah. So I look at the photos of the food almost always yeah. if it's a new place mm. and I can tell pretty like you can scroll through the yeah. photos and be like, yeah, this is good. Or yeah, this is That's like, typically not what I close. do. And then if I get there and honestly, even if the waiter is, I justify it 
well, if, if I have a rude waiter or waitress, um, I would, I would probably be like, well, they're probably just having a bad day. Like maybe something bad happened to them today. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I wouldn't get upset about it. I've never left. I don't think a bad review for a restaurant or anything like that. I tend to do good reviews because I want to help the business. Yeah. I, I, if we're talking about restaurants, I agree. I think I typically hit the photos and can pretty quickly tell what kind of restaurant it's going to be based off photos. Even just like I can tell by glassware and just the vibe, what kind of restaurant it's going to be. One thing that Errol said is she doesn't look at reviews before she goes to, to a restaurant, which is clear because the average review of Emo's Pizza is 3.7. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That was great. Good one. That was, that was good. Good setup on that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It was beautiful. That's the only joke we get to make about St. Louis or anything related to Ariel today. We've exhausted. <laughs> you guys, it's your one. It's quotas. Are here. you it's happy nice. with how you you know filled that slot? I feel like I did a good job. Yeah. Okay. I was very content with that. Yeah. Okay. Great good. work, Michael. Good. Nice job. That's what you call a uh, a callback. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, going back to the question about you know a bad experience at a restaurant, I don't like. I feel like you could go to a really nice restaurant and have a really shitty experience though. Just like the company's bad or something, or you. I don't know. Your kids are crazy and you're just like, we wasted a night out, you know, to go and mm -hmm. hopefully eat good food, have a nice time, but it, it turns into a, you know, bad time. So I don't know. Or if you're in a yeah. bad restaurant, the service is bad, food is bad. You can have a really fun time just like making fun of it with your partner or something. I love that. You know, did you hear what they That's said true. to me? Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I think for me, it's just like, I, I just don't want to waste that two hour experience at a place. Like, so for me, it's like, I would rather spend 30 seconds just like doing a quick glance at the reviews to just like verify like, oh, 4.2. Okay. That's, I can handle that mm -hmm. versus going in blind and coming out on the other side. Like, oh man, we made a mistake that costs two hours and $50. Yeah. I will say with the moving company, Michael, I looked at pods, um, and there, it's like a 4.0, but some of them were like 3.8. If it's close to a four, like if it's like 3.8, 3.7, I will look at the reviews to see if it's like people people that are upset are just incompetent because that happens a lot in reviews where they're like, I did something stupid and they don't think they did something stupid. So I will look for something like that, non-food related. I probably, I would give them the benefit of the doubt if it's close to four. Uh, so earlier we were talking and I posed the question of, to Bobby, if you were a ghost and you had to haunt Michael, um, what would you do? And so we declined to actually talk about that earlier so that we could talk about it now. <laughs> yeah, it all got... of our conversations are now content. So <laughs> yeah, it got weird we're, earlier. For we're some influencers reason. now. Yeah. Uh, Michael had a response that kind of caught me off guard. So I was like, oh, maybe we shouldn't talk about that. Um, but I do want to point out that this all came because I'm sitting in a new chair that is a. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It's like a active sitting chair or something like that. Core 360. I don't know if I'm allowed to say the brands, but we will. Hopefully they'll sponsor us. And there's no back. And I was like spinning around and Robert. Who and recommended Robert, the chair to you, Bobby? Uh, Michael did. And, and oh. just like all of his recommendations, really solid. So anyway, so I was spinning around because I was having fun. <laughs> I was kind of getting bored on the last meeting and Robert pointed it out. And then for some reason, there was something about me falling backward and hitting my head on something. I don't remember, but I said something about myself dying. And that's where Robert came in with this. And that's where we are now. 
Um, oh, a, a, one other piece of context that might be helpful. You said something about dying, and then Michael made a joke about suing your estate for the money that he is owed. Oh, and then I said, good luck. Yeah. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Which okay. that, I think that's what brought about the haunting. Well, I think that... it's also important to note that Bobby said when he dies, none of us are ever going to get paid anymore. Like, even if we're owed a paycheck. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There yeah, we go. Okay, yeah, okay. There. Now we're getting. Let's to the color truth. in both sides of the <laughs> coin here. Okay. Yeah, I I uh, I bluffed a little bit that there was some kind of auto uh, auto cutoff feature if I die for the, the employee pay. So Michael said he would sue me, and I was like, "Well, good luck." And then I don't know. But so 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 what was the original question, Robert? What would I do? The to- the original question is okay. Hypothetically, you're spinning around in your new active chair, and you happen to take a tumble. And it doesn't work out well. Um, Michael then proceeds to sue your estate. So from the afterlife, you are now tasked with haunting Michael to get back at him for trying to sue your estate. Uh, What do you do to haunt Michael? You know, honestly, my first order of business would be to watch what he does when he watches two hours of C-SPAN every single day. I would want to know what that is. Because I have never watched that for more than ten minutes, so I would just kind of I would observe for a little bit and be like, "What is he doing here? He would Why is he doing this?" Um, that would get boring really, really fast. And so then I think from there, honestly, I I don't think I would like do anything bad to Michael. I I like Michael, and I think I would uh, if anything I would try to help him. Like if he mm. was going to say something offensive, like wildly offensive to somebody, or if he was going to say something that they were going to take the wrong way and get upset about it, I would try to, I would like move something. I would distract him. I would like tip something over or whatever. So then he'd be like, Oh, what? And then forget what he was talking about. And I would probably just do that You'd a lot. Censor me. <laughs> yeah. I would, what I would be doing is, is helping a lot of people through helping Michael. And I would be really reaching a lot. It's you know, as charitable as I can be. Mm. And so I think that that would be the best way to use my time. Just smoothing down his rough edges, you think? Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm surprised he already is, doesn't have somebody doing that for him that's already dead. You know, I, I would, you know, ask you Maybe not to do that because I feel like Michael would lose his his essence. You know, he mm-hmm. would he wouldn't mm-hmm. be the same, and I like him the way that he is, even though we disagree on a lot of things. I I would like to keep Michael the way he is. I vote for that. Okay, fine. I, I mean, not that I'll we're voting. Not the, the <laughs> well, right, now I got to think of something else. That <laughs> that's what we're doing. cast your vote. <laughs> Honestly, I, to be to be really, really totally honest, I would not be hanging out in Michael's house. Um, yeah. I just there's a lot of other things I would go do, and I think based on the way that I am now, I would feel super uncomfortable like just watching somebody do something. Like I think it would freak me out to do that. Don't you think you'd settle into like the I'm invisible, no one can see me? Like when you really, really believe that. I feel like then, but do I really want to do that in your house? No, no, I don't think so. So I think what I would do is probably be outside a lot. I would go like, I would go see a bunch (laughs) of places that I had never seen before, like that I wasn't able to travel. I think I would, um, I would go do a lot of stuff that I hadn't done before. Now, I don't know. How do we feel about do ghosts? Yeah. (laughs) Do Do you have to get on a plane? Like, do you need to get on a plane or can you you go to Jupiter? Um, I would, you know, honestly, what I would do, I would fly one of those Emirates first class flights overseas. Mm. That would be that just would be, sit in someone's lap as they were in first class. I wouldn't have to sit in their lap, but I guess I would. You would. I would find the open seat. You're an invisible ghost. Why do you have to sit in somebody's? There's probably an open seat. Oh my! Not God. in first class. 
like I, there's things that you would do as a ghost and there's things that I would do as a ghost. And I don't want you to put those things on my ghost life. So I think what I would, <laughs> yeah, I would, am I a solid kind of ghost or am I like a wispy? What kind of no, ghost there's no such thing as a solid ghost. Well, you know? let's, yeah, Whoa. hang on, hang on. Hang let's on back now. up. I think we need I to define like the ghost. What movie have you ever watched where the ghost couldn't move through walls? I feel like ghosts change their form. Yeah. So Can't sometimes you... you'll be an orb. You're a sometimes shapeshifter. You'll just be some cold air. I'm picturing Other you. Sometimes you'll be more of a solid. As figure. like Casper, like the the Casper from the like late '90s with Christina Ricci. Yeah, we know it. Yeah. Well, I'm just making sure you guys are younger than me. I don't know what you guys were into at that time. Casper. Uh, okay. <laughs> what? No, I mean, yeah, Casper. I I don't know. I am I a horror movie ghost? Because those seem to be a little bit more solid. Usually. I think it's really up to you. Can I go into people's imaginations? Ooh, no. Oh. These are making up rules that ghosts can are not you? allowed to make <laughs> Yeah. I don't know if you can go into people's imaginations. Like, I don't think you can possess people as a ghost. Okay. What about that one? Who's the, What's the movie where the guy's, like, helping the lady do the clay? Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> what is he... In that scene, is he dead? <laughs> but is he dead in that scene? I actually, to be fair, I, I, I googled have never it. seen these two laugh this hard. I googled ghost and the the first image because I was like, I'm pretty sure it's called ghost. So I googled ghost and the first thing that came up was like a bunch of music videos. And so then I kind of was like, I don't know if that's what the movie's called. So then I came back to ask. I feel um, like you've always wanted to take a pottery class, and this will be your opportunity mm, to do some pottery. I've actually done that before. I've done pottery, oh, but no. was he dead in that scene though? Like the famous scene? I I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so he seemed pretty solid there, right? Well, you're so one could say that maybe I could be a solid ghost. <laughs> I feel like one could say. I feel like that's the thing with being a ghost, though, is that you're not solid. I'm just saying he seemed really solid in that. Part. I think she I mean... was feeling his presence, not like physical presence, but his energy, maybe. Okay. Well, let's. Why don't all of you decide what a ghost is and isn't and come up with the parameters and then ask me this question at a later time when you tell me well, what I can be as a ghost and what I can't in, be? In our defense, I feel like the only parameter of being a ghost is that it's not solid. <laughs> but I'm saying in that scene in the movie, I got to go back. I got to look at the movie. I'm going to go on YouTube after this and see what he looked like. I don't know if he was translucent or solid in that that moment uh, or if she was imagining it. I don't remember because that was not a, a movie of my time. Really, I don't think. Well, I will just say the one thing I know about the movie is he was killed by his business partner over a bad deal. <laughs> so <laughs> to just tie things back up here, if you don't pay us after you die, <laughs> this is, I don't like this foreshadowing. Anybody else want to say anything about what they do as a ghost? Um, yep. I know what I'd do as a ghost if I were haunting you, Michael. I would make subtle but annoying adjustments to all your kitchen supplies. Ooh, that's a like good I would one. put like like tiny holes in like the bottom of like the flour bag, or I would <laughs> yeah I would do something to where like the pepper grinder like the the, the grain is my pepper grinder the setting is yeah. not my pepper grinder <laughs> yeah to where like you look at the grains and one is like seven millimeters and one's like two millimeters you could Little go and like, like turn the stove down while he's cooking yeah those are big oh. This is evil. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so that's what I do. See, I'm not so bad, am I? I was going to do my stuff. No, I'd rather you sit in my lap on first class and <laughs> Robert mess with my pepper grinder. 
gonna have to go back and look at that employee to see what, what it says about situations like this. Well, Ariel, I guess uh, the question just lays on you. What What would you do? I honestly don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I I would be more along the lines of uh, Robert's ghost than Bobby's ghost. I think you just pull funny little Thank pranks you. on me. Yeah. Although I thought you meant pranks. like you know move a spoon or something. You're gonna like cut holes in flour so that they. I mean that's. Not big holes. That's inconvenient. But like, yeah, you you would have to change shirts, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All right, I have an actual uh, financial questionable decision to discuss with you all. This is an anonymous reader question, and I'm just going to read it. What they shared. We have about $27,500 in credit card debt, hospital bills, plus dumb decisions. I'm a teacher and used to teach in Texas, but moved out of state three and a half years ago. My teacher retirement in Texas is still in my TRS account and has about $24,000 in it. I have been considering rolling it over into a new retirement account where I am, but I would really like to pull it out and make a big dent in our credit card debt. Currently, we have over $600 a month in payments on credit cards, and I just feel like we can't get ahead. Would using that to pay off two of our credit cards or two plus some on the last card be a bad decision? What is your just like first impulse there? So I don't, I, I would do very, I want to be very clear about this. I don't remember how all the, the Texas, she said Texas, right? Yes. Yes. I don't remember how the TRS stuff worked. I pulled my money out of TRS after I quit my teaching job uh, because the way that it worked back then, I believe was that they would. If you left it in, they would give you like a 2% guaranteed. So I, I don't remember everything about it. I do vaguely remember there being penalties for taking it out early, depending on where she's at in her track. Um, mm -hmm. My gut reaction to that is just, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do something like that. I, I mean, I think that you can, I would go to like, try to make more money and pay off the debt. I would try to like, maybe do some kind of credit card balance transfer. I would maybe try to get a loan at a lower percentage and pay off the credit card debt. Like there's a lot of things I would do first before I tried to pull my, my retirement money personally. Robert, what would you do? Um, as someone with more credit card debt than I would care to admit publicly, I am highly unqualified to speak <laughs> on this topic. So honestly, I'm listening to what you all have to say as potential advice for myself. So, well, carry on. <laughs> we can talk about this like off, <laughs> off of the thing if you want. I no, can let's just point you in the right let's direction. Let's loop uh, Robert into this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Michael, what about um, you? Yeah, I think that very similar to what Bobby said, pulling out of your retirement not only has penalties and you're going to end up losing money through those penalties. Um, it's for your retirement. You've saved it for that. And I think you should roll it over into another retirement account. Make sure you're taking care of your retirement. Um, also, $27,500. It's not no money, but that's not that much money. You can pay off $27,000 in debt. Um, there's a lot of information we don't have here. Are, mm -hmm. are both of them working? What's their salary? But general, and $600 a month in credit card payments. Again, by no means nothing, but doable. Coverable with a side hustle, coverable with some kind of, you know, a little bit of additional effort. I think there's obviously strategies like refinancing, looking at uh, making additional payments on the principal that you could, um, you know, enact to, to pay it off quicker. So, no, I would not pull from retirement. And 
I'd look at ways that you can just, you know, there's all kinds of methods that you can employ to pay off debt quicker and, or, or refinance and consolidate it. Um, but no, I wouldn't pull it from the retirement. Yeah. See, I, I, I agree that maybe trying to find an alternative to pay, to pulling it out and taking care of your debt would be ideal, a balance transfer, you know, a loan or something. But I also feel like there is just this, depending on, you know, we, we don't have a lot, all the information. We don't know how this is affecting this person's mental health, the other aspects of their life. When I think about that $600 number too, in terms of monthly payments, I feel like that must be the minimum payment. Like you're not going to make much progress with a payment like that. But just thinking about the psychological effect of debt and how it can feel like it is just preventing you from moving forward with your life. And I don't want to say this as advice to this person at all, because you all, you obviously has to have to do what works for you and you could end up, you know, this could be a bad choice, but you know, I've been in a situation where I had a chunk of money that I could use to pay off my mortgage. And that was, so freeing to just have that off my shoulders. And then we could put money, the mortgage payment, into other places where we could save money, uh, invest, that sort of thing. But, you know, releasing that, that big chunk of debt that you feel is weighing you down, if that is what you need to do, I think that there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that, you know, that's the, the issue a lot of people have with Dave Ramsey, invest over paying off debt, you know putting money aside for your future or taking care of the debt right now. And, and I think he works so well for some people because of that, the, you know, oppressive, oppressive nature of debt and how it feels like if you can take care of this, cross that out, then you can move on to the next phase of your financial Creating journey, which wealth. is retirement. And Yeah. I don't, I think it would be way too simplistic to, to say that all that matters when you talk about your finances is just like a solid plan that, you know, I get, well, rather it would be wrong to say that psychology and the mental and emotional load of money doesn't play a part, right? Mm -hmm. You could say that if you have a, a mortgage or a car payment that you want to pay off and you have the money to do it, it's good to, you know, get yourself out of debt. Maybe it, maybe that's important to you. Um, but what if that payment's at one percent, what if the APR on that is 1%? That's kind of where I am like, we don't have any debt except one car, um, but the APR is 1%. So like we think about all the time, oh, should we just pay it off? But the answer is no, we'd be better off investing it mm -hmm. somewhere else and just paying it at the 1%. And so there's some of it where um, making those kinds of cold calculations are important, but to downplay the significance of what it means to be like debt free or to not have any weight uh, of payments or debt on you. That's a real thing. And that matters as well, especially if you're on a journey to growing wealth and, you know, to the point of Dave Ramsey, I think that generally there is something very powerful because of the emotional, the emotional side of, of what debt can do to you, especially as you try and grow wealth. But um, at the same time, I think there's another side of it where if you can cold and calculatedly, uh, you know, use debt in your favor, that can work for some people. I mean, organizations and people and really rich people do that. But I don't think the average person, that's not the struggle that they're having with their debt. 
No. And I mean, this, you know, she specifies here, they specify that it's, you know, credit card debt, which is probably 14 plus percent interest rate on that. Not a one. Yeah, it could even be higher. I mean, it could be right. 22, 25. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, credit card debt is, I mean, it is a horrible type of debt to have. I mean, just generally, because you don't have to hold that kind of debt anymore. Like, or I don't even say anymore, but there are ways. I mean, if she had it in a, you know, like a 401k, I mean, she could potentially take out a loan against the money in a 401k that would be at a lower percent interest to pay that off. Like there's a lot of different things. I do think going back to the retirement thing, I can't remember what the penalty is again for taking money out of TRS early. I looked it up. Um, I think it's 20%. And yeah. then if you're under 59, 10%. Hmm. Yeah. So Rather, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. It's 20% federal income tax withholding and then 10% early withdrawal penalty. Yeah. It's just when you're talking about penalties and things like that, I would just, I would go to a credit union and see if you could get a personal loan or I would, you know, talk to your credit card company. Like there's so many other things you can do than touch your retirement. And mm-hmm. I just don't think there's many benefits to doing it unless you absolutely had to do it, which I still don't think like I, for me, like our retirement funds, I don't even think of as money at all that I would ever touch. I just don't, it's just not even in my mind to do it. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing, the, the issue that I would have with her taking the money out of the retirement and using it to pay the credit cards too, is the debt is says it comes from hospital bills and dumb decisions. Okay. Hospital bills. That's, you know, get that. But what are those dumb decisions? Are you continuing to make those choices? Are you continuing to do whatever it is that brought on this much debt in the first place? Because if that's the case, risking your retirement to just wipe that slate clean and then start doing it again is not going to help you get ahead in any possible way either. So I think you would have to really make sure that you are addressing the actual issue that was causing this in the first place. We don't know that information. I I mean, again, Dave Ramsey's kind of like rice and beans, beans and rice. The, The point is in the bleeding, you have to make sure that you are stopping the behavior that got you there in the first place. And, and again, I'm not, again, it's not a small amount of money, but some people have hundreds of thousands of dollars of credit card debt. This is definitely something tackleable, not knowing what your salary yeah, is that. or where you are in life. Stop the bleeding, stop the spending, mm-hmm. make a plan, start paying it off, start paying off more than your minimum payments. And this is something that can be tackled. I mean, Bobby, you can, you know, relate your, relay your story here. You know, you paid off, um, 40,000, uh, how much? Yeah, it's, it's 40, 40 grand. 40 grand. Um, and you did it. So, and lots of people do it. So this is something very doable. When you hear the stories of people who, who pay off even more than 40,000, pay off a hundred thousand, pay off 200,000. It's doable. It requires a lot of discipline and, um, and a solid plan that you stick to. Kind of echoing what Michael said, like I've had a lot of people email me and message me over the years with numbers of debt, not to minimize this, but that is a very tackleable number. That is a like a very. I've had people email me and said like, "Hey, I'm to four hundred and seventy five thousand dollars in student loan debt. I don't know. I you know I'm a single mom. I I don't have like I, there's nothing I can do. You know, and they're totally trapped. This is not that. Like you can you you can hustle. You can make an extra thousand dollars a month, or you can cut down your expenses as much as you can. Like you could pay this off in a year if you really hustle. You could pay it off in two years if you wanted to take it easy. You know, like this is a very, very doable thing. I think a lot of people just don't, they want it gone now, but I don't think that having it gone now is the best path usually for something like this. Two things. The 
the first thing that I want to mention is, you know, you getting emails, Bobby, from people who are talking about the amount of debt they have. You know, most people don't hear about the amount of debt that other people have. It's not something that you want to share personally, publicly in any sort of way because there's shame attached to it. And I think that, I think it would be, it's one of the things, well, I guess I love about the the Facebook group that we have, the Millennium on Facebook group, is that people do talk about this stuff and it it's not normalizing debt or these financial issues to a point where you're like, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. But it's like reminding you that you are not alone in it. And I feel like sometimes with something like credit card debt, there is a shame to even dealing with it because it's like admitting that there is a problem with it and that you have to to deal with it. So, you know, I feel like it'd be great if more people just actually talked about this stuff openly because this person probably would feel better. Like, oh, it isn't it so bad. I can tackle it. They probably don't even understand what the steps would be to tackle it. So then that brings me to my next thing is we can't give this person a, a, a real plan because there's so many pieces that we don't know. But like if you were to start to kind of outline something for somebody who our friend Robert here, <laughs> you know, or anybody else like who wanted to to make a, a change and, and get rid of some debt, what would be the kind of action items that would be on in that outline or that list of things. So I've actually, I mean, I've helped people do this before, mostly friends, you know, um, but I have had a lot of people that have emailed and asked what, what I would do. I, I think the first thing I would do before I even did anything else would just be like download mint or download something like personal capital and actually start tracking what you're spending. Because mm -hmm. I think most people don't really know how much money is going out and how much money they, if they just cut some subscriptions or, uh, you know, cut back on certain things while they're trying to pay off debt. Like there's a lot of, they have a lot of power just within their own budget and what, what they're already making. So I think just kind of knowing that. So the, sec the second thing I would do is I would start researching just snowball versus avalanche debt snowball, just Google it debt snowball versus debt avalanche. Uh, and, and I, what I found is like most people don't even know that that's a thing like that those are strategies that you can use what because most people that get into credit card debt just don't even know what the what it would look like if they paid x amount more per month um you know toward their their credit cards and then it, like most of those tools even like free ones online they'll spit out basically like an amortization like here's what you need to do if you pay it off if you add this much to your payment every single month you will pay off your debt this much faster and like just that just in doing that is like enough for a lot of people and then the hard part is that you have to actually stick to it which has been the disappointing thing. Like when I have helped people with stuff like this, most of the time they fail because they just, they're like, there's something that they just don't want to quite give up or they just mm -hmm. aren't quite disciplined enough and they'll do it. They'll work on it for like three months and then they fall off and they're back to spending whatever they were spending on DoorDash or, you know, whatever they're back to doing whatever they were doing. And then they just kick it down the road. So you can't do that if you actually mm -hmm. want to pay off the debt. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, um, an example I know on, on about $25,000 of debt, if you were to pay half of that payment, $300 more, you'd probably end up paying off three or four, three or four years in advance. So the, the kind of uh, amortization and uh, compounding nature of extra payments or making strategic payments at different um, uh, earlier makes has a big effect. The thing I think that I agree with everything Bobby said, you know, figure out what you're spending, stop the bleeding, and then figure out what method you're going to choose. I'd say all that. But I think the first thing I'd put before any of that is just inside of your brain, 
stop thinking about it as the laughable cringe you know joke that you can't even oh i can't even think about that i'll never pay it off like there's this kind of thing we do i see a lot with people with huge numbers of student loan debt especially because it's like oh i'll never pay it off well you have to stop thinking about that it's not some amorphous thing that one day you'll get to it's debt and you have to have a plan for it and so i think just in the in your mind thinking nope this is debt i i that i owe and i need to figure out a plan a strategy of how i'm going to pay it and and like you said that could be at medium speed that could be at warp speed that's another decision you have to make but it can't be this like thing you laugh about at brunch right mm -hmm. you have to like think about it as debt that you that you owe but you can pay it off and i think after that then kick in all of bobby's steps well, you can also do things like call your credit card company and see if they'll lower your interest rates, you know, a little bit. They might do something like that. That That's a very tangible thing that will make however much you pay towards your debt every month go that much further, you know? Yeah, I, I think the awareness is like a huge part of it. And that's actually one thing that I'm sort of taking into this year is like being more aware of finances. And like, I think I mentioned on one of the previous podcasts, like I've always had trouble with a budget and actually like sticking to that. And so for me, it's like similar to what you were saying, Bobby, with like mint and that sort of thing like first step has to be and similar to what you're saying michael like look at the numbers like every day pay attention to like what's actually coming in and going out because that's the only way that like i know that that pain is actually going to feel like real enough and i'm actually going to be motivated to do something about mm -hmm. it one of the things that's helped yeah. me the most in terms of like when there have been periods of paying off debt or saving has been the idea of paying yourself first for things and just taking off the top whatever you need to put towards some bigger goal and doing that first and then everything afterwards and we don't keep a budget because that it's like everything comes off mm -hmm. the top and then whatever's left over is whatever's left over and there's something that's so simple about that that makes sense to me and i think that's the other part too you have to find what makes what simplifies this what makes this doable for you and it wasn't it's, I, I think i must have read about it online the idea of paying yourself first and it was just it was like this switch it was like oh of course that that is what i needed to do because i can't keep a budget either i'm horrible at that i've downloaded mint and all those things and download it and look at it once and that's it <laughs> yeah there's and there's lots of those tricks or strategies. Um, the inverse of that, probably probably better off for paying debt would be you get your paycheck and you've determined the amount that's going to go extra to, to the debt first, and then you live off of anything after that. If you can't budget first, pay your debt first, and mm -hmm. you know be a, be as aggressive as you can as you plan it out. And that's what we do now with with saving and investing. Like we get our paycheck, and then there's just a part that just disappears, and then from that we don't really keep a tough stringent budget um because we've already yeah. done the saving we live off the rest mm -hmm. yeah that's what i did i used to sit i remember when i was a teacher i would sit in my office and then i would see the direct deposit hit and i would make my student loan payment and i paid a lot towards my student loans now i didn't have a lot of expenses back then but i had like not very much money left over but i just did that for 18 months you know and then it was then it was done and I'm not a budgeter either, to be honest with you. Like I've, I've never been, I actually think this is like a little bit of a hot take. I think that budgets are kind of a scarcity mindset. Um, and I know a lot of people like when they hear that, they're like, oh, what a jerk. But 
I do think that if your if your mind immediately goes to how much can I cut or what's you know how little can I spend, that's a lot less powerful than how much more can I earn because you can earn infinite amounts of money, you know, in theory, uh, and it's that makes debt payoff way way faster. And I, if if I had done that when I instead of paying off my student loans the way that I did, if I had coupled that with like just making five hundred dollars extra per month, would have been really helpful. It would have been even faster. You know, it would have taken more effort, but. It's a more effective way to think, I I think. Yeah, I think the one thing I'll add to that is like, I don't have scarcity mindset to a flaw, right? <laughs> to where it's almost like, I almost have to have reality checks with myself sometimes of like, okay, this feels like just like yeah. wishful thinking without too much to back it up. So it can't just be like, oh, well, I can always make more money. Right. It has to be like, well, how much more money? When are you going to make it? And how are you going to make it? Yeah. I, I have the same thing where I'm never, I don't really struggle with a lot of scarcity mindset. Um, I kind of just think like, you know, I'll, I'll figure out a way to make more money. But with that kind of like abundance mindset or baller mindset or whatever we <laughs> want to call it, I think the thing that it just has to be coupled with, and this is very simple, is just awareness. So using mm -hmm. some kind of tool just to know, and that's if you're in debt and you're trying to pay it off or if you're doing fine. Like we now, use, we use Copilot and we don't use it to budget. We use, I just look at, you know, how much are we spending in this category, that category, are there trends over time? Did we spend too, you know, a lot more this month? Just to kind of like do that internal, like, oh, well, probably don't. I do a lot of just like subconscious, like I sort of know where I'm at. But being aware of how much money you have, how much money you're spending, where it's all at, not obsessing over it, not, not maybe you don't want to be the guy doing the envelopes and the, you know, moving pennies around. But I think if you have that awareness and an abundance mindset and a plan, that's like gold right there. I don't agree entirely with the idea of just thinking more abundantly will help you take care of debt or get ahead. Because I do think that I think that there are some of us, you know, I've been in this position for sure. I think a lot of people have where you just are like just making dumb choices with your money. Like, why do I always like I I don't know, you stop at Starbucks out of a habit and you don't even enjoy the coffee that you're drinking. Like it doesn't bring any value to your life and you need to cut that out. And so maybe that is awareness or something, but I do think that there is some value in kind of if you are having a financial issue, assessing what can be cut, because I think when you see what, what, when you look at all of those things, all those line items, is it, is it worth it to you? Like what feels better to you? Does it feel better to get that coffee? And I will never say that, you know, just cutting a coffee is going to help you retire one day or pay off debt or anything like that. But, you know, I think that there are some things that you can cut I agree though that you can make more money and that is more effective, faster, you know, will expedite your plan for sure. But I don't think that there's anything wrong with um, feeling like going into your budget and cutting. There is the problem where, you know, you can only cut so much though. Well, it feels like sure. marrying all this together would be, yeah. let's, let's yeah. say you have credit card debt. You take a, a healthy, aggressive payment. The second you get paid, you mm -hmm. stop spending on the credit card. Cut it up if you have to. And then you're just living off what you have, right? It's if, if you're not a good budgeter, if you don't know that you have the discipline, if you commit to not spending on the credit card, well, you're not making the problem worse. You have an aggressive payment that comes right off the top. And then you're just living. <laughs> maybe maybe that's when you're digging in your in your uh, couch for you know a dollar. But you're you're saving yourself from the problem getting worse. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like that's what a lot of people don't do. They they keep making it worse, and they're making it worse at a greater rate than they're helping to make it better. Yeah, everything's a balance. I I do agree. It's when I say it's it's a scarcity mindset. I've seen a lot of people that just solely focus on how what can I cut, like, and they start cutting back things that they do enjoy in mm-hmm. life that do bring them joy because they feel like there's nothing else I can do other than just cut. And I, I think that's the wrong. I, I don't think, and I don't want to say wrong direction. I think that that's not the most enjoyable direction. I think that you can do, you can work a little bit or, you know, do be resourceful and, and keep the things that you actually enjoy. But like, I just found out I was paying 10 bucks a month for Uber Eats. I don't use Uber Eats. I was pissed last week because I saw that. And what I did was I, I, they had a promotion. They got me with one of those notifi- push notifications. If anybody knows what those are about with Uber Eats, like they're aggressive. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I forgot that I was paying for it. So I cut it out. Right. So I didn't just go like, Ooh, abundance mindset. I'm going to keep that. <laughs> Yeah, I I think like just to like sort of try to summarize what you're saying with abundance mindset, Bobby, is like the difference between like abundance mindset and scarcity mindset is scarcity mindset is when you're asking, okay, how can I save more? Whereas abundance mindset is asking, how can I make more? And that's obviously like overly simplifying it a lot. But like, to me, that's how I think of the difference between the two. Yeah, to me, it's like, which one do you think first? Like if you, because you can think like... Oh, how much, how can I save? But for me, and I know it sounds like for, you know, at least Michael and, and Robert and probably Ariel sometimes too. Like mm-hmm. I always think, how can I earn more? And then it's like the secondary thought is like, Oh, what can I cut to? And I think that's just, it's a small flip, but if you just do that, like you, you'll do much better over the course of your life financially, I, I think. Yeah. So lots to be said about credit card debt and debt in general. Um, I think. I think that everything we're saying, I don't know how to exactly to synthesize it, but I think it's about knowing your own personality. I know I can't trick myself. That's why, that's why, like when I was, you know, making less money and had debt to pay off, I just took it right off the top. Like that's the only way I had where I couldn't trick myself into playing games with money or spending too much money or not paying off enough debt because it just came right off the top. And so know yourself, know what works for you. If you're in a scared place, how can you empower yourself to take control of your money? You need to know what's going on. This goes back to a question question we had last week or so of, you know, uh, hiding the bank account information. No, you need to know what's going on so that you have the power to make good decisions. Um, And then from there, uh, you know, regardless of where you're at, if you have $20,000 or $200,000 in debt, there's always something you can do. And it's not going away either. Um, Mm -hmm. I think those are the two things. And that doesn't have to be a scary thing. It can be sobering, but it doesn't have to be scary. So I'm can I just say this to this person that's anonymous? They're doing better than other people that I've talked to in the past. When I first started Millennial Money Man uh, and I quit my teaching job, I had a friend reach out to me and they were in a similar situation, kind of. They were trying to pull their money out of their teacher retirement. And they were like, how do you do this? Like, what should I do with it? So I told them what I did because I basically pulled mine out and then I rolled it into just a normal retirement account. And uh, instead of doing that, they took it out and they bought a uh, car, a very fancy, uh, very expensive performance car. They sent me a picture of it too. And I was like, dang, that didn't, you didn't do anything that I told you. (laughs) So uh, this person's on the right track. I think so. I think so for sure. So to end it off, it, I think we all agree. It's a questionable decision to pull from your retirement, but that does not mean you don't have any options. There's plenty of options, and hopefully, you have uh, you feel you feel like you've been 
equipped with a couple of them from this conversation. Yes, I, I would agree with that. I would also encourage this person just to like talk more about their what's going on with their money. Find find more people to talk about it with a you know than just a Facebook group or talk more about it in the Facebook group because I think yeah, it just just, it. just I think it just helps everyone overall if you just talk about what's going on, get advice. Do I know this person? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's talk after and see if I know this person. Okay. Too. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to this week's questionable decision. Uh, we will be back next week with another one. If you've got something you'd like us to discuss, you can text us at 321-222-0203. Uh, we have some awesome emails that we send out every week, uh, and you can join that incredible email list. Uh, there's a link in the show notes to do so. We will be back next week and talk soon.